0: Good evening and welcome it is another episode of elite rugby banter and i'm going to apologize in advance The South africans we've had a month it's been coming down from the stresses of three very very narrow one-point wins um, and then you know the ob- obligatory and resulting trophy tour celebrations um has has you know it's ta- left its mark um on not just us as the potters but I think the South African <laughs> supported base in general, uh, energies are running low, but I'm sure we will pick it up in time for December. Andrew, how are things going on your side?
1: Uh, apart from the fact that I'm sitting in complete darkness, uh, things are not too bad. I just can't stand the fact that there are already Christmas carols playing in supermarkets. It's like sacrilege.
0: But, I mean, Halloween has passed, so that's kind of half of course. Um, as silly as it is, I agree. Um, Phil, are you also getting frustrated by two early carols?
2: Uh, you know, I try to uh, avoid them as much as I can, but uh, trying to re- still recover, I think, from the World Cup and all of the heavy drinking that came with it, so trying to take it easy on the weekends, but uh, yeah, it's been an adjustment.
0: It was definitely the downside of buying beers in France is not just that it hit you physically, it also hit your bank balance. There's a lot of different types of recovery having to happen at the same time.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, On the plus side, it does make beer back here just seem that much cheaper. So it lasts for a while,
0: and that much more enjoyable because we get to drink actual real beer. No, to be fair, the beer in France was good. Um, it's, it's a lot of German and Belgian imports, so so can't can't give them any shade there. And actually, Asahi, shout out to them as as World Cup beer sponsors. Very <laughs> solid,
2: yeah. You know, can can recommend. Yeah. Maybe they'll sponsor us one day. Who knows?
0: Well, you know, look, I'm going to still keep punting Tarful as long as we can. But, you know, at some stage, I suppose you need to accept when someone isn't interested. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there has been rugby happening, um, not just on the field. There's lots and lots of music to uh, go through as well. So we're going to jump straight into it and we might just actually get on to some of the on-field rugby at the end. and we'll see if we can, between the three of us have managed to cover at least one match of URC. Um, so we'll jump straight into it. Uh, Dwayne Vermeulen. Is he South Africa's greatest ever eight man? Because okay, we can now have this conversation because he has officially retired from international rugby. Andrew is a Stormers fan and he's you know, played for the Stormers more than he played for anyone else. Even though I did see the Bulls try to claim him as a Bulls legend. Uh, which is a bit sneaky. Um, yeah. What's your your view on the Dwayne retirement situation
1: uh i mean it was the world's worst kept secret that he was going to retire firstly like we all knew that was coming i'm surprised the official announcement came so late but uh, yeah i mean he's been an incredible servant of like in rugby I can't can't see who would really rival him in in the number 8 jersey there's, there's been a lot of good number 8s over the years but none of them have had the i think the longevity or the impact uh that that Dwayne has so Huge servant of SA rugby. Very sad to see him go, but obviously at 37, I think the time had come. It's actually sort of amazing he even made it to the last World Cup. There were times when we were, uh, I think on this pod, even saying that maybe this is the time that Jasper Visa steps forward, and I think it was the right call to to back Dwayne for this World Cup. And yeah, incredible, incredible rugby player.
0: I mean, it's amazing to think that the only made his international debut at what 26, 27. You know, I mean he was. Yeah. You know, and if I'm finished on, I don't know, 60, 70 caps. So, I mean, he definitely, I mean, he could have been a you know, 100 capper um, had he got some opportunities. And, and I think that t- speaks to your point, you know, like he was coming through to an era when we had PSPs Garnier, so a couple of the problems was coming. But, you know, so they, they, we did have have had lots of great eights. Um, but, yeah, that, the, I think that just the all-round game of Dwayne and the longevity that he was able to dominate that Springbok eight jersey uh, puts him, I think, ahead of, yeah. Pretty much every other candidate I would think.
2: Yeah, and I remember watching him play in the two thousand and nine Lions tour, but he was playing for the SAA team uh here in Cape Town. They played against the Lions and it was a draw. Willem Duvall scored a last minute penalty to draw the match or something like that. But he was like monumental in that game. So in two thousand and nine he hadn't yet broken into the spring box, but he was already, you know, showing his worth and we all know what happened next. And yeah, I think more than Mark Andrews, obviously was our 95 number eight, more than Don Erso, more than Teichman in that record setting team. You got to give it to Dwayne. He's our best man, eighth man ever. Yeah,
0: I think that's that. That's fair. Um, and let's just hope he doesn't go off into a jungle and get lost. In the next <laughs> um, do, you, do you think he's got more of a, a legend status at Toulon than, than Joe Fennicet?
2: Um, I I don't know. I'm not too familiar with how long he was at Toulon. Maybe a couple of seasons. I know, obviously, he made a big bit of an impact in Ireland as well, uh, more recently. And then, like you said, Stormers, a little bit with the Bulls. And I think even with the Cheaters, he really made his name um, before joining the Stormers. But, um, you know, Toulon, they, they remember their players who put their hearts on their sleeves, like Big Joe, Habana, those guys still get hero receptions, so perhaps, but uh yeah, I can't say that I I know or well, uh kept an eye on his career closely enough to know if he's a too long legend. Well I mean it's yeah,
0: sad to see him go, but he's definitely done his service to South Africa. Um but a player that's potentially coming back to South Africa um and certainly hasn't given his club as due is Archie Sneyman, who's now going in for shoulder surgery. Uh, i not sure if that was because he was just fist-pumping a bit too hard on the trophy tour. Um, but he's due for a uh, shoulder-off, and it seems like that's going to put him out until the end of his contract in a couple of months at um, Munster. Rumours are that he might come back to South Africa. Uh, which clubs do you reckon are interested? I, th-
2: I think we'd all like to just put our own clubs forward. Um, you know, anyone, w- anyone would be lucky to have him, but realistically it would be one with the deeper pockets. Um, so I, I don't know who that is, but probably Bulls
1: or. Well, it's, it's definitely sharks. definitely not the Lions' fault. <laughs> uh, one can hope. One can hope. <laughs> one can hope it's not the Lions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's got. It's got to be the Sharks or the Stormers, I reckon. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that the Stormers are playing the likes of Andre Smith at the moment, I think they could do. They could do with it, although. Can you imagine bit and Archie Snyman lock pairing at the Sharks? That would just be ridiculous. It'd be terrible for the three games of the year they played together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. It wouldn't be the, the most efficient use of a salary.
0: But so, I mean we'll we'll get on the Sharks worse later. I think, um, but yeah, it, it it it. I mean, as much as I would love him to go to the Sharks, I don't really see the point. Because A, he's injured, and B, like the Springboks just don't play very much, um, which is, yeah. you know, fair enough, but the Sharks need players at this point that are actually going to play.
2: <laughs> I mean, as, as a Lions fan, I'd be more than happy to take Sean though, if I can't, if we can't have Sneeman, because that's a bridge too far, according to Andrew.
0: There's also suggestions that he might be coming back because, you know, he's not Irish qualified anymore. Right. Uh, and so if you've got, if you think about it, you've got Sneeman, uh, Clyde, Jason Jenkins. I mean, that's, a lot of locks that aren't actually eligible eligible for Ireland playing in Ireland. Yeah. And so I can imagine that they want to ditch or force some of those out. You know, that's the same reason they keep PR out. Like they're quite um, ruthless about ditching players once yep. they're starting to block pathways for their um, internal players.
1: Well Jean Klein, I think they said he was being courted by a few French clubs. Uh so I think he's, he's probably not coming back to South Africa, but Africa definitely potentially they I mean, how far is Jason Jenkins off being eligible? Because he, he's a one-test Springbok, I think, yeah? He played that...
0: It uh, was only the 2018 test he played. Yeah.
1: He definitely played that one in
2: Wales oh, or against or Wales, Wales in USA, yeah. yeah so well, he be eligible there. already.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, no, because how does the residency work? Because he's been... I, has, I mean, he's been there for... When did he... I think,
2: I think this might be his third season now, yeah. Just based on our URC.
0: He was moved to Munster in 2021, so this would be his third year in Ireland, which is not enough for residency. He needs five
2: to qualify uh, to Yeah, it's five now, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. So it's three, three years to become eligible because he plays in South Africa to play on the team. But he also can't do it in residency because it's not family-based. So actually, he's, he's not, he can't play for Ireland. That switching allegiances only works for ah, if you have yes. a, a legacy relationship, so like a grandparent or a parent or something. Did, so he like, isn't did, actually eligible for Ireland ever.
1: Did CJ Stander have an Irish ancestor? This so,
0: was
2: before the it, rules, yeah.
1: It, uh, okay.
0: No, no, just, that only applies to the switch back.
2: Yeah. And, and re- residency got changed from three to five years. Yeah, since. yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Gotcha.
0: So, so okay. if, if you've got a, a relation, then you can switch countries, but you can't switch countries based on residence, but you can still uh, move, you can still like become capped on residence, but you can't change your country if you have been capped based on residence. Yeah.
2: So like, for example, Lalesio, who's playing for Toulon, if he got French residency, he couldn't play for France, despite not playing for, in, for Australia for a long time, right? And despite
0: just, you know, being like 18 in the French.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the more important.
0: It yeah. Also had something to do with it. Remember, who was it? Was it Jacob van der Volpe that said he was going to go play for France? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, thought he was going to walk over there, get capped, and then just play for them. <laughs> it was yeah. like
2: He, oh. he did, because he got a cap or two for Scotland, but never quite but, broke I, through.
0: I, I'm yeah. thinking of the same guy. Is, was it, was it um, Jacob van der Volpe that said that about France? I think so. Uh,
2: could have been. I'm trying to think if he was at anyone before Edinburgh. But not that I can. But remember. there was, there was. I mean, it was
0: definitely a, a Lions or a, or a um, bull flag that that went across to Europe and made big claims that they were going to you know, just walk into national team. But you know, there's a big difference yeah. between France. To be
2: fair, I, I think at some point Clayton Blomachies thought he might play for Wales too. That would have been hilarious <laughs> for all parties involved.
0: Well, I mean, Ben would say that that's probably a level too too far below. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where, where was it that Blumenkeys played and they kicked him out? Was it, it was a, a Welsh club? Where we got kicked out for not being fit enough or
2: something. I think so. I think it was Scarlets, and then he went to one of the English clubs for a bit, and I think he got kicked out from there too. <laughs> oh, <it's> hilarious. But <laughs> so then he at okay, well, home at the Stormers, yeah.
0: And you know, and with all due, he's playing really well, so fair. Um, while we're on dodgy Irish uh, transfers. There's been some movement in the scrum off uh, world. It's causing lots of upsets with Ben Healy moving across to Glasgow, I think, um, and taking the kicking percentage from like 60% to 100%, and suddenly winning games. Um, and you know, so it's another one of these tier one to tier one eligibility changes that's going to come into effect. Um, yeah, I suppose now that the World Cup has settled, how did you make? Where did you go? I mean, I was working on this topic enough, and my opinion hasn't changed, um, particularly in a case like this. How, what do you guys feel about that kind of move?
1: Uh, ben Hilly?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, if he's not tracking it at one, why not? I mean, I'm not going to hate the player for making the move, right? It's it's down, okay,
0: to the sure.
1: down to the rule in world rugby. If he's good enough, he's good enough for another international team. But for me, I, as much as I play devil's advocate against you and like It feels like, for me, in the club game, we've lost the idea that players actually represent the regions they come from. And for me, at a national level, it should be, you know, the country's best. And that means, like, you know, bred and developed in that country. And just to to have people representing countries that they really have very tangential ties to, uh, it'll never sit well with me, to be honest. At a national level, like, national pride and all of that's meant to the jersey uh yeah unless you've got some some proper claim uh yeah it's always going to sit a bit awkwardly with me okay yeah. i'm glad you, you've come round to that <laughs> point of view <laughs> i
2: mean because i think ben healy is qualifying through grandparents and i've always yeah. been a bit iffy with the grandparents like parents is fine for me like if, you know. I mean,
0: especially if you're, like, in those areas where they are all related to each other. So you can just jump between England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, just be, for banter, you know? Because, like, yeah. it's not a very big gene pool. So, like, yeah. you know, and culturally, <laughs> they're basically the same, as much as they will get upset with me. Like, let's
2: go out to British Isles viewers. Yeah. Yeah, we, so, we, pissed off, we pissed off the English, Scottish, Welsh, and Irish all at once.
0: Yeah. Look. <laughs> can I say I'm efficient (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no it's like it's 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 particularly silly there Um, I think so yeah anyway uh, we won't rant about this but I mean causing as much consternation and probably more tribal in the difference between Irish and Scottish and say um, you know English and Scottish or English and Welsh or something is uh, Edinburgh versus Glasgow and Ali Price is um, on loan across the, the gap and um, lots of people aren't happy about this because it kind of shows that the scottish union is just controlling both of them and it's you know i think when you've particularly got two teams and your your club system relies on that kind of rivalry um you know it kind of just takes a lot of the competition away between the two um well that's what a lot of the, the scottish supporters rely on um as much as it'll benefit Scottish rugby itself, because now they can have two of their top scrum offs uh, all three playing, um, you know, first-class rugby.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Ali Price was also, or is, I guess, was, like, was like considered a bit of a Glasgow legend. Like a, like Andrew was saying, he was someone who was, you know, from the region, from the city, like, so, and now he's just being sort of... Traded away just like uh, for the greater good of the national team. It does undermine the the clubs in the regions just a little bit, uh, like being forced to have to go and play somewhere else. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Scottish scrum half stocks. Like, I guess it's going to help them both just to have someone out somewhere uh, like Ellie Price starting. But I, I don't know if he's going to be guaranteed to start at Edinburgh. Even like I think Velicott is their captain this season. And so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, it's very messy. Do
0: you think it's good for the British Irish Lions? I mean, obviously, Ali Price was starting from the last tour.
2: Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think, like, the way that the Lions wanted to play, Ali Price was very good for them. But I think the way that Glasgow had been playing under Franco Smith has been very different. And that's part of the reason why he hasn't been first choice. So Ali Price is good at a certain way of playing, but he's not everyone's cup of tea. So it depends on the coach, I would say. Um, and I don't think Ali Price fits into the Andy Farrell mold of Scrum Hop as well, perhaps, but I'm not
0: sure. I mean, speaking, using that as a quick tangent, do you reckon he's, I mean, with Warren Gatlin uh, ruling himself out of coaching the next tour, um, you know, do you think that's Andy Farrell's the, the go-to replacement, or I, the dramatic I, replacement?
2: I mean, it seems like it. I think if he wants it, it's probably his. I don't know if he's 100% keen on it, but, um, you know, there's not really any other, like, standout options, you know. So, unless it's someone completely out of left field who… Jones, um, out of a job. <laughs> I mean, I think and I hope that you would go for Andy Farrell before. <laughs> but, it's yeah.
0: It would be quite poetic, though, if, uh, if Jones now coached the Lions against Australia.
2: <laughs> it would definitely uh, put bums on seats, yeah.
0: This would be an inc- incredible story.
2: <laughs> maybe this is all part of the plan from the Australian Rugby Union to make money, just to create the drama for and make sure they sell out the Lions tour.
0: <laughs> or maybe people would just boycott it out of like. Um, <laughs> situation. Yeah. Could
2: go I mean, didn't it all start when, like, the Australian fans called him a traitor when he won there with England, and then <laughs> then they were desperate to get him back, and then obviously it all went pear-shaped. So, yeah, maybe it's all part of the long the long game.
0: Maybe Hamish McLean is actually a genius.
2: <laughs> it's all to sell money, to sell tickets, not to sell money. That would be dumb.
0: <laughs> I mean, if governments can do it, why can't why can't they rug the rugby union? <laughs> Um, Speaking of Eddie Jones, I do just want to read a quick quote from him today. And just, I mean, this just underlined how much of an this man is. Like, they were talking about rebuilding a team, basically. And he said, I give you an example of South Africa. In 2015, they got beaten by Japan. So they were rock bottom. Then they had to go and they had to change um, their whole system because it wasn't working. So they encouraged their players to go play at the seas. They rejigged their provinces at home and they moved their whole domestic competition to the Northern Hemisphere. And what's happened is they've won two World Cups since. Like, every oh, yeah. single statement in that sentence is completely, <laughs> completely wrong. Like, the only thing that's accurate is that they won against, they lost against Japan. It's only because he was coaching. Like, he was trying to draw <laughs> attention to coaching. They still went the closest against beating the greatest ever team <laughs> of all time at that World Cup, that 2 um, And then they changed their coach to, you know, Alistair Kutsia. And then they were suddenly shit. Like, there's nothing to do that. And then, you know, they only moved the, the domestic competition over like last year. Like, they have only had one full season, full season up there. So, or two, sorry. Anyway, the man is just genuinely insane, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it is worrying for Australia, I think, um, hearing those kind of comments or maybe not worrying that you are hearing the comments but just crazy that they were in that situation in the first place. Like, they should never have Keep that there um, So, moving swiftly on from a, a call and a discussion, we will try and arrange with our uh, Australian uh, representative, is Mitch. Um, but yeah, people that aren't getting bad reps is Sam Kane got banned for his tackle in the World Cup, um, which obviously earned him a red card and the reputation of being the only, the first ever player to be red carded in the final. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying oh Shane we should just be lenient on him because you know Shane is already suffering enough do you guys think that you know potentially giving a uh, brain damage is enough reason to that's all of it?
2: I mean not uh, I don't know about the brain that da- well no he shouldn't be getting like Um, there shouldn't be any difference just because it's a World Cup final and he had to sit through whatever he did. Like, you can't change the rules because of that. It's like, that would be a ridiculous reason to treat someone differently. So, I mean, I think it would be ridiculous if they decided not to ban him. I mean, I think if you get a red card, you, like... I know in football if you get a red card you go to the changing room it's early and like you go for an early shower, like that's the expression, right? You shouldn't have to sit on the chair for the whole match if you receive a red card, but at the same time
0: you go and sit on the bench. You only sit on the chair until it gets removed from yellow chair. Ah,
2: did he have to and move?
0: Okay. Then you can go and get changed and shower and sit on the bench.
2: Yeah. But I mean I yeah, I don't think that he should be treated any differently just because of it being a World Cup final. And What, you know,
0: what about if you're an all black though and you commit a grievous felony and then you're moving clubs overseas? Then should you get special treatment because it'll affect your career?
2: <laughs> well, we know all blacks get their special treatment, especially, you know, some special cases which we won't mention by name. But uh yeah. I'm happy that he's being banned and no silliness is ensued. <laughs>
0: It is just a bit funny that the band's gonna come like in three months or four months time <laughs> in like pre-season. Um but which yeah, are it is a bit odd. Um another person to retire off the World Cup is Wayne Barnes. Um I think I think he's world Rugby's most decorated referee, most capped at least. Um, but you know, long and not always uncontroversial career. I mean obviously he awarded the Tinder Award, the forward pass to the French or to the New Zealand against the French in the 7 World Cup. Um, but you know, it's gone on to have some pretty memorable moments since. He did do an interesting interview, I think, post the World Cup, where he was talking about just the day in the life experiences of a ref and the vitriol the and abuse they get, um, which you know, he has, has mentioned before. And it's just, I mean, it's disappointing that people are such assholes, to be honest. But yeah, I'm not sure if you want to, either of you want to give any kind of tribute to Wayne Barnes because I'm sure he is an avid listener and really does care about our opinions. But, you know, he was a very, very good ref. And whenever he was on the card, I was stoked that he was refing.
1: Yeah, he, I mean, you mentioned one forward pass. He also gave a forward pass to Mark Talia for Bowden Barrett to score. So, It's not just one forward pass. (laughs) No, but I mean, that being said, like, he is an exceptional, well, was an exceptional referee. Uh, And, yeah, again, like Dwayne, like an incredible servant of the game and referees don't get enough support for what they do. And we can't play the game without them. We don't want to end up in a situation where the game is refereed by, you know, a man in a van a hundred kilometers away from the venue, like on a TV screen. Like, that's just not where we want to be. The, and the something Ange Postecoglou said in in the football terms like referees are human they make mistakes but they you know, they make mistakes both ways it all evens out at the end of the day we just want to enjoy the game that we all love so um yeah Wayne Barnes is one of the best uh one of the best communicators on the field uh, hugely you know dedicated man and I think his calls for Great uh, respect for referees are you know, something that's been echoed many, many, many times and needs to keep being echoed. Because as you said, there's like trolls out there who are just hiding behind their keyboards and their, their usernames online. And that's, that's just not right. Like death, death oh, threats I mean, of family I mean, and stuff. Like, it's yeah, it's not, not just trolls. I mean,
0: I think every single losing coach in the knockouts, except for the French uh, and the Fijian, but the players from Fiji were complaining, all mm. of them complained about the ref. You know, 'cause again, uh I mean, didn't complain, but uh DePont certainly ran his mouth, just did nice levy when Ra-, Ra Louis was being um quite you know fair about it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's it's as much as people throw shade at the Russie for putting you know tarnishing reputations. I mean, as I said, every single losing coach was quite happy to get him on the act and half the players as well. So yeah, you know, it's as much as the keyboard warriors, it's also you know, the coaches coming out and and they're, they're deserving their fair Fair share of blame as well, I think. You know, I mean I get that it's emotional and it's charged, but you don't come out and try and rule, you know, one or two calls, because as you've said, it goes both ways. And actually that whole O'Keefe Leak report proves it. He made five major mistakes and they went literally three, two. Um, and they were pretty even in their severity. So yeah, it's it's definitely needs to, to better referee respect, I think
1: yeah I mean you can you can criticize a referee and disagree with their decisions without making it personal uh, and without you know trying to find out where the guy lives and mention his kids by name in threats on social media like it's just way too far. I mean we all have a little bit of a ref bash now and then, especially when our team is you know bearing the brunt of it or at least we perceive it that way but like that's that's all fun and fine, and I think refs understand that when they sign up for the job but this whole personal game is just not at, it's absolutely not called for and just not, shouldn't be part of the game at all. And and a professional point of view, like, I, I do think that coaches and captains and, and players need to be more restrained in that regard. Like those processes need to happen behind closed doors with proper, communica- proper communication channels and, and protocols. Like,
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I think world rugby needs to come down a lot stricter on people yeah. criticizing the ref, but, and, and, but in response, they need to be a bit more open with giving, I think, performance reviews on refs or something like that. You know, again, I think the Ben O'Keefe thing was actually a really good outcome that it showed that world rugby does a review and this was the process and this was the outcome and it was actually a fair performance. Um, yeah, but moving we on to happier notes of the World Cup. Um, we did a, obviously, a team of tournaments in the last, um, Pod, but we had a couple of complaints saying that you know we didn't bring through enough of the um, lesser performing team start. You know the team is obviously weighted mostly towards the of but you know there were certainly a lot of performances of really really good players uh, that you know didn't didn't make a playoffs purely by purely by virtue of just being in you know the, the more minnowing team. So we thought we'd throw together a knocked out. Uh, 15. Um, so this is from the 12 teams that that's got knocked out. And unfortunately, we won't be seeing many of these players playing in the next 10 years because they're going to be stuck playing in the second tier of the Nations Cup. Um, but if you are able to catch them to keep an eye out. Um, yeah, Andrew, are you happy to, to run us through the team?
1: All right, sure. So there was a bit of debate back and forth, but we've settled on a 15. Um, starting with uh, one of the very few Australians who did actually put up his hand in this tournament. That's young Angus Bell, fantasy favourite among the the ERB leagues. Uh, Incredible World Cup from him. He's only on the up and up. Uh, Massive, massive influence for Australia. Uh, Our hooker, we've gone for a fan
0: favourite. That's a a, a good banter as well. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he has been. I think he'll he'll be on the, the world circuit for another 10 years, given that he's like 22 years old. Yeah, yeah. Still very young. yeah. yeah he's got at least a decade left in his career, but he, he has been a little bit injury prone, but he had a really good World Cup, uninterrupted World Cup. Um, keeping the likes of James Slipper out of the team as well, who was uh, one of the many captains in the lead up to the game, lead up to the tournament. Um, number two, we've <laughs> gone for a fan favorite, uh, Portugal's... Uh, charismatic hooker, uh, Tadej, I think you pronounce it. Uh, Number one, he's got a great uh, spiral punt on him. Number two, he's got an incredible beard on him. But number three, he just had an exceptional tournament, full of energy, full of emotion, a lot of fun to watch. All right, number three, uh, one of the standouts for one of the Pacific Island teams, Ben Tamefuna, previously playing his uh, trade in, in New Zealand a hundred and what is 35 kilos or 151 or I can't remember who was 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 151 yeah (laughs) Uh, basically just a big you know that the proverbial red lorry yellow lorry well he was a red lorry coming at you from you know five (laughs) minutes out unstoppable uh huge presence very well used by his team
0: Uh, i think he also had the highest rates of like carries in the trams as well yeah yeah in, in the wide in the wide
1: areas so that they used him in interesting ways He's almost it's as heavy as Lava for the Lions, but a couple of kilograms short. You oh, well, had, had to just make him worse than a Lions player. <laughs> uh, then uh, in the locks, we had um, another Pacific Islander with a not very island name, but Theo McFarland, who I hadn't heard much of before the tournament, uh, hadn't heard much of, but had a, a really good game, especially in the tight loose around the rack uh, making little breaks and offloads and uh, tackle machine as well so he, he was really really good creative player for Samoa who overall had a disappointing tournament but he was definitely a standout and uh, number five the Italian Federico Ruzza who again a fan favorite in terms of fantasy full of running full of offloads full of tackles uh, in this tournament he sort of just went about his business I don't think he Stood out in a massive way, but we ended up going for for him and he just made his return for Benetton and they win over the Stormers this last weekend. Um, number six, uh, a guy who was put at lock for the World Cup Fantasy, those of you who played. Uh, but Martins from uh, Portugal again, uh, absolute workhorse, I think led the group stages in tackles. It was averaging something like 16 tackles a game, just phenomenal, uh, really, really workhorse. Okay, hey? I don't think he was
0: to tackle on the group stages either.
1: Yeah, so it's just an absolute machine. Um, so Martins, uh, I think it's Nuno Martins, was it? Uh, I can't Nicola, I think. Nicola, yeah. Nicola Martins, that's it. Um, then number seven, Ardao from uh, Uruguay, who was very much uh talked about before the tournament as one of their key players, and that definitely played out. One of our, one of our top uh um turnover kings in in the tournament absolutely at seven which is the international open side flank but in south africa the blind side flank eight valentini and i know you were pretty impressed with how valentini went for australia huh hey?
0: yeah i mean I, I think him and bell were the only two that can really see that 200 head held particularly high um i think and, and you know bell was you know obviously the junior but valentini is now one of the senior players and, I mean, literally carried that team for a fair chunk and took most of their meters um, going forward and was a rock in defense.
1: Yeah, and then in the halfbacks, 9 and 10, we've got Arata and Echeverdi, who are representing Uruguay again. Uh, Phil, I know you had them pegged as key players, well, at least Arata in the build-ups. But uh, Echeverri also came from pretty much nowhere and put on a good show.
2: Yeah, I think Uruguay are one of the smaller teams who captured a lot of people's uh, hearts just from the way that they played, and a lot of that was down to Arata and Echeverry. Uh, Like you say, Echeverry as their number 10 controlling things was very impressive.
1: Yeah, then in the centers we had a little bit more uh, of a debate. We We don't feel like there were massive standouts here. So we went through quite a few options at 12 and 13 uh swapped them around a little bit but we we ended up on one samoan and one italian so we had tumua manu uh, from samoa and uh, Ignazio brex from italy uh, as our 12 and 13. uh tumua manu a very strong runner uh played a big role in a few of his team's tries Ignazio bretz just a, a very consistent performer across the whole tournament then uh in the exciting outside backs i think this is this is really um, uh, a proof that you know rugby is a, a game for all sizes because we have at number 11, Storti from Portugal, who broke a few hearts through the tournament. Um, and I'm not just talking the ladies. He played some really good rugby. And uh, Darcy Graham on the wing. So we had to have at least one Scott because I was on the selection panel. <laughs> and um, he, he did play a few games than most. We came back from injury a bit later in the campaign, but really injected himself in a big way. And then number 15, the eternal performer for Georgia, uh, David Niniashvili, who really, really consistent for the Georgians in a strong tournament for them. So, yeah, that's our one to 15. If you have any disagreements,
0: you're welcome to DM Phil come
2: <laughs> Come at me, bro.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just nice to recognize some of the um, yeah, lesser well-known players. I think a lot of people... Um, did take notice and paid a lot of attention to the Tier 2 teams that were coming through and I think you know, a lot of credit needs to go to a lot of the um, you know, well-known Twitter contributors guys like Squidge um, there's a host of others from Chiska Isaac and stuff that just really drew a lot of attention um, to, the, to the Tier 2 players and, and you know, gave you guys to watch um, and you know, they did a really good job in promoting those players and I think a lot of them a lot of yeah people who didn't know about them before the tournament have kind of stood up and, and recognised that there is some, some proper talent out there. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can see them in the next World Cup and yes, they their gone from strength to strength. Um, I suppose one other, using a very tangential link <laughs> to some of the Australians that did perform well at the World Cup, is Mark Nawaki inte- Nitoase. who is just another name in the long list of noise and mess that's coming out of Australia. And there's rumors that he and his agent have approached uh, an NRL team to try and switch codes um, to get out of rugby. Um, Have you guys heard anything more about that?
1: I mean, I'd I'd heard that uh, league players often say that they're interested in union to try and get better contracts you know, to keep them in league, and I heard that this might be something similar, just in reverse. Uh, he has a lot of qualities that would lend themselves well to league. I mean, he's fast, he's good on his feet and, you know, staying upright in contact and carrying the ball after after contact. But, uh, I don't know, it feels like with, a, with the Lions Tour coming up in two years and a Home World Cup in four years, it's a little bit foolish, you know, when you are making that place your own to then give that up in the pursuit of a maybe in another code. Especially when you are like old twenty three or something. Yeah,
2: still very young. Yeah. yeah. And I think other than the two that we mentioned in our team, he was one of the very few Australians who, you know, could come up come come out of the World Cup with his held, head held high. So yeah. uh, it would be a massive loss for Australia. They don't have as many good wing options as, you know, we or New Zealand do. So losing a player of his quality would Really, really, really bad for them.
0: Yeah, that would be disappointing, especially because he's really only recently he's kind of forced his way back into the fold after um kind of getting topped by the, the Waratons. Um, you know, he's really kind of stamped his mark back in the Australian team uh, of or 2. So. No, it would be sad, but it is just, it's addictive of just a very toxic environment and uh, team over there. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, Australia are able to get their house in order sometime soon. Um, but a team that does have their house in order are the Spring Box. Uh, just in case anyone didn't know, we won the World Cup again. What? Um, and <laughs> as mentioned at the start of the pod, uh, we celebrated appropriately. Um, Spring Box taking their tour and it's taking a couple of buses and the trophy uh, all around the country and showing off. Uh, the green and gold that we've won um various cities. Um, it looked like hard work. Um, guys like uh, Damien Willems had didn't take their clothes off for about a week. Um, was, I saw there was some radio DJ suggesting that he should uh, reach out to Dove for a sponsorship to prove uh, the efficacy of the deodorant. But he was able to like still stand next to his teammates despite wearing the same matchday kit from a week ago. Um, what were the, some of the highlights that you guys picked up from the trophy tour?
2: I think just uh just the chaos and you know obviously and you and I were in France for a bit but the majority of Springbok fans you know wouldn't be have been able to be close to the Springboks so for everyone like I was in Cape Town uh, in in the city experiencing the bus tour and just how excited everyone still was you know when they came and just the the chaos that went with it I think it was not too dissimilar 4 years ago but again like it, for some reason, it, everyone was perhaps just a little bit more excited
1: for some re- like, even though it's the second time in a row. Well, a few, a few fans were too excited. <laughs> they, they idolized their champions, clearly, but um, that one woman in East London took a little bit far with uh, <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to get a snog in with both Sia and, and Marnie. Wow, yeah. I to make
0: yeah, there were some people taking things too far um, and potentially taking things too literally. I mean, there was a fan that tried to steal the World Cup itself and um, you know, got very quickly taken to justice. I think some of the the fans taking Russi's words to heart and you know, getting quite a bit too happy to fuck him up physically. Um, <laughs> I think that man hopefully will very quickly realise that that's not not kind of behaviour won't be tolerated. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was good to see obviously the crowd getting getting involved and supporting, but I mean it was a bit I don't know, just, uh, <laughs> potentially taking it too far, but um yeah, it, it it is what it is. Um but basically just don't fuck with the spring I suppose, is the ultimate comment. Um do you think the bus driver took the partying a little bit too far? <laughs>
2: It, so- it sounds like some uh, somebody did. Maybe it was uh, someone else tra- pulling a prank on him or something. But obviously, something caused the bus to crash into a private property in East London. I don't know how that would happen, but uh, pretty crazy story. At least that was the last leg of the tour, not the beginning.
0: And and the day after the springboks had flown off. To be fair, there were there were no springboks in, hurt in this incident. No um, <laughs> longer in East London, but yeah, it's just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that had somehow managed to happen although to be fair if i had been driving a bus around for a week and not being able to have any sips of the brandy involved i might have sent it a little bit hard that night as well um so yeah who knows not, not suggesting that there was any intoxication involved in the driver i'm not, not making any rumors um but yeah it's it's I suppose that in this africa things are never straightforward or boring um there's maybe the, the quick motto there um, um don't think there's too much news to cover. We've done a pretty good shift so far, um, except um, there are a couple of fun, fun items that we are missing out, and maybe it's just a bit more confusing. The one is that Thomas de toy, after not making the World Cup squad, is obviously he's taking revenge, I think, on the English uh, by being their top try scorer in the Premiership at the moment. Um, I haven't managed to catch too many highlights, but as a you know well-renowned barnstorming runner, it's lovely to see props getting on the scoreboard and, and keeping their Sleet-footed outside backs um, off the score sheets. Uh, that being said, here in Arundel did get a, a hat-trick on debut for Toulon at the weekend. Sorry, for racing against Toulon at the weekend. Um, but yeah, maybe you should have tried a lot harder and got five because they still lost.
1: <laughs> did he um, play that game? Has he come back for them yet? No, I mean, so... He's, I know
2: he's in America at the moment, so he he popped in for training, and then he went to visit uh, whatever the Sharks boss's name, and they went. I know they went to watch some basketball games and all that in New York. So he's he's currently on a world tour, I think.
0: I mean, considering the the, the French play, clubs love their pound of meat, it's surprising managed actually get away with that.
2: Yeah, maybe it was in his contract or something.
0: But he gets to have a celebration world tour post the World Cup.
2: Or maybe he's just the one
0: regular player that the French people, French owners respect. (laughs) Um, Or they know that if they start messing with him, he's too popular and they won't get away with it. Um, But speaking of interesting signings, Lee Halfpenny, Welsh legend, dead-eye goal kicker, uh, scrum-capped fullback without the stepping ability, um, has transferred to the Crusaders, which seems like a very odd play considering outside backs are not a position that they are particularly struggling in. Um, despite the loss of Vestifeng and Genuku, um, You've got Will Jordan, who's uh, been touted as the great fullback replacement. Been um, a host of young up-and-coming wins. So, what do you guys make of that move? Are you guys going to draft him in the first round? Uh,
2: not the first round, but I'm pretty excited just because it's something that we don't often see, like a uh, sort of northern hemisphere legend for Wales at least. Um, he's Obviously doesn't have the pace that, I don't know if he was ever particularly fast, but as a 34 or 35 year old, however old he is now, it's going to be interesting to see in a Crusaders team, which is known for being quite flashy. Um, There's been some talks about him possibly being a fly half there, saying that they're missing Moanga and Fergus Burke is out injured. So I'm interested to see what will happen. If he's still available in like the 10th round, I might pick him up. But I, I, I can see Andrew's also just uh, watching the seeing when he might want to pick
1: him up. Yeah, I don't know if he's if he's down as a fly half in our league, then I might consider it. If he's an outside back, forget it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it is it is cool to see those types of players, but it is it is an interesting one as well. He's just not a very super rugby-ish type player. Like I could see him going to the Brumbies, for example, but then as the Crusaders are. The best match given the players, but especially you know, I mean, there's a 35, 36 year old. It's quite late in the career to do a, a positional swap. But who knows? Maybe this is his Ronan Neguara moment, uh, switch into coaching or something like that. So I suppose we will see. Um, yeah. um but I think just about wraps us up. I mean, as we did mention, there's some URC happening on at the moment, but I think it's this. We've just run out of time. I don't think we're going to be able to cover it.
2: So. But and, and uh, before, before we finish, uh, did you see which team is on the bottom of the URC? Um, <laughs> I, can uh, not...
0: assume, I can only assume it's Dragons or Zebra or
2: something. <laughs> well, Zebra won. We should have a special mention for the Italian team Zebra. They won their first game in 18 months. 28 games, I believe. Better <laughs> them to get a win over one of the Welsh teams. <laughs> yeah, the, I didn't know you got uh, Sharks and Wales. <laughs> <laughs> so breaking a lot a big unbeaten streak good for them and I'm sure the sharks can only get better from here
0: oh I don't know we said that last week <laughs> so yeah. I don't know they're playing I mean at least they're home now so it's it's, yeah, it's not, not been a good start for them um, but yeah I think we'll cover, cover the URC in a bit more depth next week when we've actually watched a fair bit more URC um, so yeah Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you all next week. Yes.